So we started a new series called Gospel Endurance. Pastor Jeff uh, did a fantastic job in starting us out. And he um, talked about that following Jesus involves, it's hard, it's hard work. It involves suffering. It's difficult to follow Jesus, but it's also very rewarding as well. He also gave a couple of challenges. Uh, He asked the question about who in your life could be your Paul or who in your life could be your Timothy? In other words, who in your life could mentor you, disciple you, who in your life can you then pour into someone else to disciple, to mentor, to show them the ways of Jesus and to meet with them and do life with them? Well, here in 2 Timothy, that's what you have going on. You have Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is really at the end of his life. He is in a dark, dingy prison. He is awaiting his death. He knows that it's imminent. And he wants to pass along to his protege, Timothy, to be able to continue the work that he has done in the church of Ephesus, in the surrounding churches. And so we pick up at chapter two. Chapter two, verses one through 13. Turn with me in your Bibles. If you are new with this, it is great to have you here. Um, We have Bibles in the back that are free, or you can follow along with this on your device in the ESV. Chapter two, verses one through 13. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for, If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is God's word. Well, 
Kendra and I and the family, we just got back from our vacation uh, to Texas. It was a long road trip, emphasis on long. If we would have driven it straight through, it would have been 17 hours. And I am not that kind of guy that does that. Gets up at two o'clock in the morning and say, hey kids, wake up. We're going down to Texas. Nope, that's not me. So we ended up cutting the trip in half. Well, before we left for the trip, my lovely wife, Kendra, she decides to give me a honey-do list. If you don't know what that is, it's when your honey gives you a list and says, go do it. So there you go. So uh, on this list, it was, you know, put some things away, that sort of thing. Do some yard work. Our yard really needed it bad um, due to my neglect of the yard. We have some hedges that are alongside the road. We live on the corner of Smith and Mifflin. And so we've got those hedges right there on Mifflin. And uh, you got to get up and down the ladder. You got to take the hedger, the trimmer, and do it with one arm. And so I'm thinking as I started the day, okay, I'm going to weed whack. All right, this is nothing. All right, good. I got this. Then I go to do the hedge, uh, trimming of the hedges. I'm starting to feel it a little bit. I'm starting to feel it. And then um, I'm uh, doing some other hedge trimming and so on. I started at nine o'clock in the morning. I didn't finish till four o'clock p.m. Now, when I was in my 30s, I would feel sore the next day. When I was now in my 50s, I feel sore the day of. <laughs> so um, that's how a lot where we could think that Christianity is like, where we think we've got the strength to follow Jesus. We're gonna endure out of our own strength. I got this, God, no problem. We're like that last person in the relay race with the baton that's gonna be handed off to us. And the baton is handed off to us, and then we start going and go, okay, God, I got this. And then that's it. We leave God behind. We're like, all right, I got it. But that's not Christianity. It's not Christianity. We don't endure for the gospel out of our own strength, but by God's empowering grace. So in our passage this morning, <clears throat> we will see that the Lord calls all Jesus followers to endure for the gospel by his empowering grace so that we might remember the gospel and endure to the end. Now, I know that's long, so I'm gonna repeat it again if you're taking notes. The Lord calls all Jesus followers to endure for the gospel by his empowering grace, so that we might remember the gospel and endure to the end. I've broken the text up into three main points. Application points. Verse two, pass on the gospel. Point number two, be faithful to endure the gospel. Verses three through six. And number three, remember the gospel. Verses seven through 13. If you remember from last week, Paul has just finished giving young Timothy examples of those who have and have not endured for the gospel. Chapters 1, 15 through 18. Prior to that, he has exhorted Timothy to endure for the gospel and suffer for it. Chapters 1, 
through eight. And we're gonna be going through those same themes throughout the book of 2 Timothy. So look with me there in verse one. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say, you then, my child, get going, get to work. Let's jump to it. No, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When Paul says the grace that is in Christ Jesus, he is referring to the gospel. Listen, the Christian life does not just begin with grace. It continues in dependence on God's empowering grace. We cannot live the Christian life apart from the grace of God. Jesus is our substitute of our sin debt always, but he is not only, but he not only saves us by his grace, he strengthens us and he empowers us by his grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why do we need God's empowering grace? This brings us to our first point of application. Pass on the gospel. Look with me there in verse two of our text. Paul says, and what you have heard from me, he's speaking to Timothy, and he says, what you have heard from me, he's talking about the gospel, in the presence of many witnesses, in trust, again, he's talking about the gospel, to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul received the gospel not by another apostle or disciple of Jesus. He received the gospel from the resurrected and exalted Jesus. You can read more about this in Acts chapter nine. But Galatians 1.11 is kind of a summary statement of this from Paul. For I, would have you, for, I, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. See, Paul received the gospel from Jesus and then he passed the gospel to Timothy and then Timothy to others and then they passed it on to others. Church, we are not to keep the gospel secret. Our faith is not private. As much as the world wants us to be convinced of that, as much as culture wants us to be convinced of that, our faith is not private. The gospel is not a secret. It is God's unending grace that needs to be passed on to the next generation. It is our lens by which we do life through. Last week, Pastor Jeff shared with you Deuteronomy 6, verses four through seven. Let's go there again. So turn with me in your Bibles, make a hard left, Deuteronomy 6, 
verses four through seven. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. I would hope that if you visited our house and you had conversations with our kids and you would ask them, have you heard the gospel? They would say, uh, yeah, yeah, we have. <laughs> um, or they maybe they'd be excited about hearing the gospel as much as uh, they have. I would hope that would be the case. See, we pass on the gospel in every day of our lives. I've heard it said this way. It's not like this one big conversation that we have with the next generation. It's little mini conversations that we have throughout their lives. That's how we pass on the gospel. Now, as a father of four kids, I found that my wife and I, we need to teach the gospel, but we also need to live it. And we need to remain needy for God's grace. A lot of what we teach is caught. Not taught. And man, is that humbling. Here's an example of that. So we just came off a road trip, traveling to Texas. We were down at the Gulf. We rented a beach house. It was wonderful. We had great time with the family. And these were, there were these nasty mosquitoes. And I couldn't get them out of my head. They weren't in my head, but you know what I mean. And these mosquitoes were vicious. They were meat eaters. I felt like I was being attacked by piranhas. But what ended up happening was I kept on complaining about these mosquitoes. And then I look around the house and everybody else is complaining about mosquitoes. And I'm thinking, well, why? Probably because I was complaining about mosquitoes. And it took my eyes off the beauty of the trip and what the Lord was blessing us with to complaining and to grumbling about what he was not doing. Parenting, <clears throat> it's hard, <laughs> but it's also humbling. I've had to ask my kids for forgiveness to the two older ones for the way that I parented them in the earlier years. But I, what I also have found in parenting is that God has used it in my life to show me his desperate need for him and his grace. See, I grew up with a dad who when things didn't go well, he got angry. He wasn't abusive, but you knew when dad was angry. 
Maybe some of you can relate to that. When things didn't go well, dad was not well. Unfortunately, that impacted me. That impacted my parenting. And I adopted that habit earlier in my parenting years. But by God's grace, a lot of prayer and biblical counseling, he helped me to overcome my besetting sin of anger and respond with grace and wisdom. I've also found that just spending time with my kids, having those little conversations, not the great big ones, setting down my phone, the smartphone, which isn't really smart, or maybe we're not really smart because we keep it in our hands, I don't know. I found that I have better conversations with them, gospel conversations. The gospel not only saves, it transforms. I've talked with several of you. You have experienced that transformation of the gospel. You're living by the Holy Spirit. Listen, God has called Substance Church to pass on the gospel, to make disciples who will make other disciples, who will make other disciples and impact generations, Lord willing, to come. May we, by God's grace, pass that gospel on to our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends, our family. May we pass the gospel on to our children and to our children's children. But let me challenge you on this. To think carefully about what gospel you are passing on. What is the character, the portrait of the gospel that we, you, I are passing on? Is it our good works? Is it our politics? Is it our personal lists of do's and don'ts? Is it our preferences to guard our weakness and self-righteousness? Or is it the gospel that is more precious to us than we first believed? And that we know, that we know, that we know that we are loved by God the Father through Christ who will never let us go. His Holy Spirit empowering us to live for him. And that the gospel is a lens of seeing and interpreting ourselves and the world around us. This is the gospel that we need to pass on to the next generation. Amen? The Lord calls all Jesus' followers to endure for the gospel by his empowering grace. We're to pass on the gospel, but we're also to be able to be faithful to endure the gospel. That's my second point of application. By God's grace, be faithful to endure for the gospel. Look with me there in verses three through six in 2 Timothy. 
Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. <clears throat> As Paul encourages Timothy to press on in the work of the gospel, he gives him three word pictures of endurance and faithfulness. Paul's a good preacher. He's giving three different illustrations so that Timothy gets the point, his readers get the point, and so that we do too. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And all together they show us the importance of endurance and faithfulness in suffering for the gospel. But also each one makes a statement about how we are to be faithful with the gospel. In the soldier, we see intentionality. He does not get entangled in, civ in civilian pursuits, meaning he doesn't get distracted by everyday things of life. He only has one goal, and that is to please the one who enlisted in him. Verse four. We as followers of Jesus are to be intentional. You heard that word last week from Jeff. Deliberate, purposeful. See, everything that a believer does is with one aim, and that is to please the Father, glorify God through the grace of Jesus Christ by the Spirit. Everything you do your response to the mundaneness of everyday life, how you handle your finances, how you love other people, how you treat your employees if you're a boss, how you treat your coworkers, your boss, your wife, your kids, how you respond to the heat or distress and challenges in your life is what? It's to please the Father. This means every moment of our lives is an opportunity for God's grace to be worked in and through us. That means when parents, your children are playing upstairs when they're supposed to be sleeping and you're walking up those steps, it's not a disciplinary moment, it's a ministry moment, as Paul Tripp says. Man, that was life-changing for me. Do you see how much we need God's grace, empowering grace, his grace to forgive when we are hurt by someone else? His grace to purify us when we have sinned against others? His grace to help us love others when we find it difficult, very difficult to love others? His grace to be intentional in all that we do and say and for us to make it our goal to please the Father. Not as earning his love, but as humble recipients of his love. Next we see the athlete, which is a focus not on rule keeping, but on integrity as it pertains to obedience. 
2 Timothy 5, look with me there. It says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Listen, there are no shortcuts in enduring for the gospel. There is no formula that you can plug in and get instant results. There is no app that will help you in accomplishing that. Where it's solely the app doing it for you. What God desires is faithfulness, not formulas. Dependence on him and not on ourselves. Now you might say, why can't I have a formula? It would be so easy. Steps one, two, and three. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming through the Christianity drive-thru. And now you're on your way, right? It would be so easy. And I would say to you, I know, wouldn't that be great? Or would it? How would we grow in our faith? Following Jesus would be then reduced to steps or a formula, and you know what that would do to our character? It would make us more prideful, not humble. We would lean on our self-righteousness rather than the righteousness of Christ. We would lean on our obedience, not on the obedience of Christ. Our sin would become more dim and dim to us and grace would feel like a crutch. We no longer represent ourselves, but him who saved us and redeemed us from the pit of our rebellion. And we don't do this by pulling up our morality bootstraps and trying harder, but by what God has already given us in his son. I love what 2 Peter 1.3 says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now Paul ends here his images of endurance with the hardworking farmer. And here in the farmer, we see intensity in gospel ministry. Look with me in verse six. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Farmers work long hours. Zeke, you hear? Can I get an amen? Okay. Zeke can testify to that since he is a farmer. Daylight is a gift from the Lord and they use every bit of it. Farmers don't punch in and out at a time clock. They have a job, they get it done, and they see it through. They cultivate the soil. They plant seeds in the soil. And then they wait for the harvest. And they're not even guaranteed the harvest that they hope to get. They are completely dependent on the Lord who makes the crops grow. Ministry is hard work. I was in church planning for 
eight years. Ministry is hard work where you're cultivating the soil of relationships. You're planting the seeds. You're praying that God would produce fruit from those seeds. And you don't even know if the harvest is going to come. Listen, you who are CG leaders or have led a CG or growth group leaders, you invest time, you invest talent, you invest your treasure, and you're giving your life and your resources to the gospel. Opening your home, you're being vulnerable. You're cultivating relationships, sharing the gospel, and still you're not seeing God bring the growth and you're discouraged. I get it. Some of you can be praying for your family members, have been praying for them for years, and yet still see them turn away from the Lord or laugh at you when you talk about the Lord. Listen, be faithful to endure for the gospel. It's intense. It takes a lot of time, lots of energy, and lots of risk. But the gospel is so worth it. It is the good news of God that redeems, that forgives, that empowers, that transforms, and gives us the endurance to keep cultivating, to keep planting, and by God's grace, reap a harvest in his timing and in his way. I love what Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit and from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Don't give up. Intensely pursue Christ. Pursue others with eagerness and hopefulness and introduce them to a whole new way of seeing life differently through the lens of the gospel. Pray that God would transform your neighbors, your coworkers, family and friends with the gospel. The Lord calls all Jesus followers to endure for the gospel by his empowering grace. Pass on the gospel, be faithful to endure for the gospel, and lastly, remember the gospel. Verses seven through 13. Paul commands Timothy to think. 2 Timothy 2.7, think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The word think there means to consider carefully, to meditate on. Listen, if we leave here and we don't respond, if we leave here and we think about these truths and we don't respond, have we truly thought about them? Have we carefully considered the gospel? 
Well, what are we to remember? We're to remember who is the real hero of the gospel. Look with me in verses 8 and 9. It says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We are not the hero of the gospel. We're not the hero. So when we read the word of God, we're looking for Jesus. We're not looking, Lord, okay, show me how I can live a better life. But looking for Jesus, who is the real hero of what God has done through Christ and continues to do so by his Holy Spirit. Some of you have been here long enough where we've seen, you've seen baptisms. The baptisms are not about, I did this, I did this, I chose this, I did that. No, because it's about what God has done and a celebration of what God has done. And for us to, as a congregation to celebrate what God has done and taking dead sinners and making them alive in Christ. The second thing you want to remember is remember the power of the gospel. Did you catch that last sentence? Verse nine, Paul says, the word of God is not bound. When Paul refers to the word of God, he's talking about the gospel. That saves hope that is a person who is Jesus. Paul is referring to the all-powerful, unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ that redeems, that rescues and restores his people and transforming them into his likeness. Richard Wombrandt, kind of out of the voice of the martyrs, wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. And he shares his story in there they also came out with a film called Sabina, which is his wife. And these two lived during World War II time. Uh, he was a secular Jew. And he came into a deep depression. And what ended up happening was, through that depression, he found the Lord. And the Lord radically changed his life. And he began then to share the gospel with those that he came into contact with. Friends that he partied with and so on. Eventually that led to his arrest. Richard Wombrandt was then in prison. He was tortured for Christ. As he was being tortured, as he was in prison, Sabina, his wife, do you know what she was doing? She wasn't complaining. She didn't go into deep depression. What she ended up doing well, she ended up sharing the gospel with her friends and people that she came into contact with. She ended up sharing the gospel with Nazis who were running for their life at the end of the war and wondering whether or not they were going to make it. 
And as a result, many lives were transformed by the gospel. God's word is not bound. It can't be in prison. It's alive. It's active. Towards the end of 2 Timothy, Paul stands bound with chains. He talks about how everyone has deserted him. And he's bound with chains and he's proclaiming the unbound word of God, the gospel. And here's what he says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 17. Look with me there. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. The gospel is powerful. Lastly, remember the promises of the gospel. Verses 11 through 13. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you just keep blowing it. You keep blowing it in your life, in your parenting. You say things that you wish you could have taken back. You feel defeated. God remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you clicked on porn again. Maybe you treated your spouse horribly. Or you got ticked off by a coworker. And you're wondering, does God even care? He remains faithful, even when you don't. For he cannot deny himself. Maybe you're suffering physically and mentally. And you doubt whether God hears your prayers or not. He remains faithful. Even when we are faithless. Pass on the gospel. Be faithful to endure for the gospel. Remember the gospel, not out of your own strength, as believers, out of God's empowering grace that we've received in Christ Jesus. The Lord calls all Jesus' followers to endure for the gospel by his empowering grace so that we might remember the gospel and endure to the end. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we desperately need your help to endure 
for the gospel. Help us, Lord, by your empowering grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit to pass on the gospel, to not keep it to ourselves, but share it with others, to disciple others who will make other disciples who will make other disciples. Help us, Lord, to endure faithfully for your gospel, to be people who are intentional, full of integrity, and staying the course in intense gospel ministry. Help us, O Lord, to remember that even when we fail at these things, you are faithful to help us endure to the end. In Jesus' almighty name I pray, amen.